investing in real estate is all about location. And it's, everyone says it, mm-hmm. but if you like, literally, when you look at the deal and you're like, I don't like the location, just dump the deal and move on. If you don't like, if you don't, there's not a reason to like the location. Why are you buying it? And most of the appreciation in real estate happens to high quality real estate. So buy high quality real estate, buy as high a quality real estate as you can afford to buy. Interesting. And if you keep buying as high quality of real estate as you can afford to buy, you will, you only have good deals. I've never lost money on a good location. Not yet. I've only lost money on bad location. Your network is your net worth. Come listen to some of the most successful people I know. Share invaluable knowledge, stories, and advice in real estate, business, and beyond. This is Weiss Advice. Whether you want to take your business or personal life to the next level, look no further. Welcome back to Weiss Advice. I am your host, as always, on this fabulous journey today, Yona Weiss. And with me, my passenger, Dustin Hendrickson. What is going on, my brother? Not a lot today. Just enjoying a beautiful day here in South Dakota, getting ready for the snowstorm. I mean, uh, beautiful day in South Dakota doesn't necessarily sound like uh, they go together, but you love it. If you looked outside, it's probably people would think that I'm stupid for saying beautiful day, but it's just a nice dreary day. You can just kind of relax, calm down, you know? That's awesome. You know what I love about Dustin? I mean, he really just... He does what he loves. He just does what he loves to do. And that's amazing because you can be anywhere in the world. You can do whatever you want. As long as you have, you know, the right mindset, every day is is vacation. You know, don't get me wrong. Dustin, you're doing a lot of things. I mean, you have projects upon projects upon projects. I mean, whether it's from your, you know, your developments that you're doing locally, whether from the ownership, the syndications, the deals you're doing in in Atlanta and in Phoenix and all over the place. So, what, what's it all about? I mean, what, what's the why? What's everything like kind of, what's, your, what's driving you? That's really why I want to get right deep into it today. So the why, what drives me is just my, uh, my crazy monkey brain that won't shut off. I'm sure a lot of entrepreneurs are familiar with the same stuff, but that only, that does wear out after a while. It does help to just love everything you do. And I say no to a lot of things and only say yes to what I want to do. So it makes it easier to enjoy everything. But my why is mainly just to try to help more people understand how powerful real estate is and to not not think that it's about the toilets, the termites and the tenants, because that's what everybody tries to say. Oh, if you buy real estate, you're going to have a calls, phone calls in the middle of the night with the tenants all mad. Well, I have a lot more real estate than most people that say that. And I never get a phone call from a tenant at night. But you got I mean, so let's let's break it down a little bit. Now you are, you talk about the mailbox money, right? You talk about the passive income coming in, but you weren't always there. I mean, you owned a lot of single family residences where you did have tenants. I mean, was that the same experience then or or has it, has it shifted? Yeah, but that's the career I chose. So that's a total different thing. Mm -hmm. So there's multiple ways to buy real estate and I promote buying real estate where you're not involved because you just shouldn't be involved until you get a lot more experience and it's just a lot easier to create wealth when you go syndication model first, invest passively, understand the model, understand why you're supposed to do certain things, and then go and strike it on your own versus make all those mistakes and then find syndication. But you took that uh, that opposite route. <laughs> I did. I did because I wasn't aware. 
So I wasn't aware because everyone told me with my all my limiting beliefs that the toilets and the termites. So that was my career that I chose. And then I was like, there's got to be a better way than dealing with all this stuff. Right. And that's when I found the syndication model. Gotcha. Gotcha. So you're basically reverse engineering it for, for everyone else out there saying, mm-hmm. this is what I did. Yeah. And you've done a lot of different things. I mean, from single families to small multifamilies to, you know, developing properties, you know, so many different things like that. And you found this is the way that works best for you to get those goals. Yep. I, and I think if you want a career change, yes, go learn all the stuff. Mm-hmm. But if you love your job and you just want to create wealth, and you, but you love real estate too, well, this is the best way to do it because you're not active. And then you can, once you find the good operator, see, that's the key. You got to find the great operators. A lot, mm-hmm. There's the 80, same 80-20 rule. 20% are great and the other 80% will just give you the normal results. So if you can find those 20%, it also mm-hmm. makes life easier. Gotcha. So what's the, what's the, you know, what are you looking for when you look for those 20%, like the best, best? Oh, they just got to be talented. Like, you know, when someone's better than everyone else, when you meet them. So I just look for talent immediately. Like what's their talent? Who are they surround themselves with? Oh, why are all these other people that are seem to be talented, interested in these guys? Mm. Like, why are they attracting all these people to them? You know, I don't know. It's usually your, your gut knows a lot more than your logic brain most of the time. 95% 95% of your information is like subconsciously or internally uh, realized. The other 5% comes from your logic. And this is why it takes your body knows when something's right. And it takes your head a long time to finally click and say, oh, okay, I get it now. Okay. But your body told you right away. Right. I hear that. So where do you go about finding these people? I mean, what you just search LinkedIn, baby. Everything's on LinkedIn. LinkedIn, baby. So I get, <laughs> I get so much stuff from LinkedIn. It's, it's crazy. But you don't get, if you're just lurking around saying hi in the comments, you ain't going to get anyone reaching out to you. Yeah. So Dustin and I have been connected on LinkedIn for a a long time now. And I think um, through me, he's vicariously connected with all of the Orthodox Jewish population of the East Coast. (laughs) LinkedIn. Yes. And I just got a comment the other day. They're like, it's not very often when he was some, he was a Jewish guy. Oh, upstate New York is introduced to a guy from South Dakota that knows more Jewish people than I do. Or something like that. <laughs> I know it's pretty crazy. So we had a, we had a fun interaction. We actually met in person uh, close to two years ago in Chicago at a, at a conference. And we had been, you know, interacting through LinkedIn. It was just showed, showed me like the power of LinkedIn. Like we met in person for the first time. It was immediately like gave a big hug and it was like, yes, this is, we had that bond already just through the interactions over the phone and over the internet and the conversations, but it really shows the power of number one, personal branding, right? Number two, like showing your true colors online, who you are, and then people really actually feel like they know you before they actually even meet you. And so we had that, you know, interaction. I think that was, that was really awesome. That That was a lot of fun. Yeah. So a lot of people reach out to me and they're like, oh, I feel like I already know you. So it'd be, it's easy for me to reach out to you. So, I'm, but I'm very comfortable. It doesn't take me long to get to know someone. It's not a big deal. So I'm very comfortable with them being very warm with me. It's easy. It works very good. Very cool. So you feel like you're at a place in your life right now after having done all that you've done that you're enjoying, right? The syndication route, you know, having everything set up. I mean, is there anything else that you want to do that you're not yet doing? Yep. I want to fly private because I do not like hotel beds at all. They're the worst beds unless my wife's with me, then they're not as bad. 
but an empty hotel bed to me is horrible. And so I'd want to fly private for these deals so I can just go and fly and then fly back. Mm -hmm. So that will be coming hopefully shortly. Are you going to learn to be a pilot? No. No. (laughs) That seems like I'm learning Spanish. (laughs) That's enough for me to learn at one time. I'm learning Spanish. I want to fly private. I want to uh, travel more internationally as well, but that's not really on me. We're kind of waiting for COVID to dissipate for that. Countries open up, hopefully. Yeah. And then I just want to help more people like understand real estate. Like, oh, okay, I get the power of real estate. Now, if I can help people do that, then that's huge for me. Very cool. So what are a couple of things? Like, let's use this opportunity right now. Let's teach a couple of people who are listening to this, the, the, the seven people that are going to listen to this podcast, <laughs> you, you out there, let's teach them about, you know, a couple pointers that they need to know about investing in real estate. Okay. Investing in real estate is all about location. And it's, everyone says it, mm-hmm. but if you like, literally, when you look at the deal and you're like, I don't like the location, just dump the deal and move on. If you don't like, if you don't, there's not a reason to like the location. Why are you buying it? And most of the appreciation in real estate happens to high quality real estate. So buy high quality real estate, buy as high quality real estate as you can afford to buy. Interesting. And if you keep buying as high quality of real estate as you can afford to buy, you will, you only have good deals. I've never lost money on a good location. Not yet. I've only lost money on bad locations. Very interesting. So. Let's talk about Brookings, South Dakota. Yes. Right? Where you're at. Yep. What makes that a good location? I mean, you live there. Obviously, uh, so that's the so best Brookings, reason. South Dakota. So <laughs> then I'm also more about niche locations. Yeah. The best location of your location. Right. Than I am about putting it on the map. Because people think, oh, South Dakota, that's not a good location. Well, depends on what you look for. It's extremely risk averse like the most risk averse, like we don't participate in recessions. We didn't participate in the mask wearing and the lockdowns and any of that stuff. Everyone just, or not everyone, but for the most part, most people went to work. We got over the the panic faster than anyone else too. Um, Mm -hmm. But it's a great location because of the mindset and because you're going to enjoy roughly a 6% return forever, six to, you know, 15 on the, you know, value add part stabilization of development is always higher, but you can make a six to 15% return just forever. And the values don't go down and they've not, they've not really ever went down on multifamily around here. It's hard to buy. You can't really buy or sell, or you can sell it, but it's really hard to buy if there's not much stuff for sale here. And then you just go within that location. You're like, okay, I want to be safe. I'm in the middle of the country. Also the risk, I was just told by a risk person that calculates risk that the middle of the country is, has about 50% of the risk as the coast. So the closer into the middle of the country you get, the less the risk is on your fluctuations. And yeah. I've also found that the people that make the most money off the boom and bust are the, already the super wealthy. So if you're trying to start your career and you don't have that much, it's better to start in a less risk, you know, a B or a C class type thing where there's more value add to be done. So you're not dealing with the booms and the busts while you're learning how to operate your stuff. Because gotcha. if you're operating during a boom, it's a whole different deal than when you're operating from a bust. And it's also different from operating at a steady growth. And it's just easier to make money on a steady clip than all that other stuff. Okay. Unless you already have money. When you have money, they know how to operate in the booms and the busts. So it's a little different. Gotcha. Okay. So, I mean, that's, 
That's a really good insight there. And I love the fact that, you know, with South Dakota, what you guys have done there. And I think that obviously has a lot to do with uh, your, the ones in government behind the, the policies going on there. Like Governor Nome has just been straight down the road, you know, <laughs> doing everything that she saw right to be done. And I've, you know, the country has been following that. And well, uh, she's a, she's a true South Dakota. So she just feels kind of like everyone else. Like, Hey, why are we scared of getting sick? And I don't, we don't, we didn't really understand it. It's like, we already social distance here. Like, <laughs> we don't touch anybody. We don't get that close to anybody. Like anywhere. Here. Right. You guys- <laughs> and it, the sickness kind of went through like that because it came through and it was pretty much gone. There was some other flare ups, but the main time when it came through here, you knew about it. People kind of distance for that part and then got back together again after it was like common sense yeah yeah handled it just like the regular flu season but i think i don't think that new york city can just they just can't there's no way that they can do any of the stuff that we did just because of the everything's the density yeah sure demographics and how do you like new york city just doesn't work if you have to social distance it's an impossibility for that economy to operate 100 on a social distancing platform i guess Right. So you wanted to go two things. Okay. The second thing on that you I'll, nugget that I'll drop is you do not make money in real estate buying and then selling right away. You have to hold. And most of the money is made on the stabilization period of the value add part. But then the other money is made on the 10 years you wait before you sell it. Mm, okay. So that's something I want to I dig into that a little bit because obviously people have different opinions, right? When yep. do you make your money on, on real estate? And we hear, you make your money on the buy or you make your money yep. on the sell or you make your money on the this and that. So what you're saying here is you're making the money on the long-term ownership. ownership. The ownership is super, super important. And this is also why I, I tell people, don't take all your money in commissions. Take your money in equity as much as you can, as much as you can afford. Because you're going to blow that commission. You're going to raise your lifestyle up to blow the commissions and you're not going to create any wealth. You create income over wealth, equity, you'll create wealth. And then you'll slowly rise because your dividends will start coming in and you'll have a little more money and your your lifestyle slowly rises while you're building your wealth. It's just a much better, much better way to do it. Gotcha. And that's what you call mailbox money, right? Yeah, that's mailbox money. So, but the reason why I say to, to hold it and you do make money on the buy. The problem is, is that those buys just don't come around that often. Like, who wants to sell you real estate under market? You can find it. Mm-hmm. You can find it. But it seems like the longer and longer we go into this cycle, the less likely it is to find it. You can find that stuff a lot easier in the boom and bust cycle. That's for sure. There's just not a lot of deals to be had right now. And if you do go get a deal from someone, more than likely, you're probably kind of ripping them off because they don't know what they have. Mm-hmm. So then there's that that plays into it. Gotcha. So, yeah, I mean, obviously, it's very difficult to find undervalued deals. I mean, that's the whole play of real estate. People are trying to find the deals, right? Because you you are going to make money on that if you can find a deal. Yes. So, but then there's so much money in the, on the banking side and on the uh, realtor side with the commissions that if you can just refinance and hold, you save a lot of money. And then the growth that you get from that 10 years of just holding it or 20 years or whatever it is. So Warren Buffett, uh, this is my favorite Warren Buffett comment that most people don't know about or quote. He said, "Uh, real estate investing is all about having patience. Time is your biggest ally when building wealth in real estate. Mm. It's the same as you cannot go and knock up nine women and get a baby in one month. You get one lady pregnant, 
Nine months later, you have a baby. It's the same as in real estate. You don't go buy 10 projects and then one year you have a bunch of money, but you can go and buy one project and in 10 years, you'll have a, a ton of money on the equity side. Gotcha. So let me hear from you one, one deal or one project or one something, because you've been in the business for a long time. You've done a lot of different things. I want to hear one story from you. If you can dig into the recesses, maybe it's a, or maybe it's a recent one, but a story of you know, a really big success in real estate. And again, it may have come over a long period of time or it may have come from, you know, just one thing, just something that for you that was like, oh, this was a good deal or this was a good story, a good success. Okay. I can tell you a very risky, good success. And I can tell you a very risk-free good success. Okay. Let's do it. So the most risky good success I had, I bought a piece of farmland and it was poorly marketed. The sign was in the ditch and it was falling over. Somehow we saw it. There was weeds all over it. Somehow someone told me about it, went and looked at it. You couldn't find it online. Everyone around it didn't like the guy. So nobody close to him would buy it because that's normally how it's normally how farmlands traded. The person close to us gets in a bidding war and it goes sure. up. Everyone hated this guy or something, wouldn't buy the land. We came in and bought it on a contract for deed, but I was really young. So I was like, oh, I'll do a year contract for deed instead of like three years. The the market was going like this in farmland. Well, maybe it was even going like this. It was skyrocketing. It was probably the most appreciation of farmland ever that I've seen around here anyways. And I, we bought it for like 4,000 an acre, sold it for like 3,000 or 7,000 an acre. We made like $300,000 on this one piece of land, but it was the most stressful thing ever because I only gave myself one year. It was pure speculation, absolute pure risk. I could have lost all my down payment money. And the reason why someone came in, it was actually Ducks Unlimited came in and bought it from me because they heard that I was going to remove all the wetland areas and put in drain talks. This is what you're doing to flip the land. Okay. As soon as they heard my plan, they came in and bought it out from me with just a few days. I only had a few days to close on it or whatever. That's crazy. So. And then I took that 300,000 in and bought a really safe apartment and it's still <laughs> owned. And it's this apartment that we're in right now, this building we're in. It's what I bought the, took the profits with in 1031 to the money into this. Wow. That was, okay. that was a stressful situation too. And so this apartment yeah. building, this is something that you, uh, you guys have renovated and, and rented out. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Awesome. So we still own this. And then I went, I did do the same thing though on another piece of farmland and I put three years in the contract. But it was at a time when farming was doing this. Oh, going down. We lost so. $200,000 on that deal. Wow. So pretty much lost most of the money that we made on this, except for this money is still here. It's just in this deal. And it's cash flowing, right? Yeah. Okay. It's been cash flowing for years, 10 years. That's awesome. That's, you know, that's what it's about. You're holding the property. It's going up in value, right? Or it's stabilized at least. And it's cash flowing. And you get those, uh, those checks, mailbox money. Is- this is fairly passive too. I have a really good property manager, so I'm an asset manager on it, but it's one of those that the longer you have the property too, the more passive it becomes. It's sort of like it kind of, and it's even a great location. It just kind of runs itself. So when we keep, we keep the ones that are easy. So if we know that the property is not as easy, we sell it. We keep the easier ones in the better locations. And that's what we do our long-term financing on. Very cool. Very cool. And you got, you know, it's a, uh... What I love about you is you, you share the family business, right? You got the, I think I, I recall your mother is involved, right? You got getting your kids involved when they're young. Your wife yep. is involved in the, in, 
in some aspects of the progress. And it's just, it's incredible to see that uh, it's a, the whole family ordeal. Yeah, my brother invests in a lot of stuff too. He's, I'm going to use him as a case study on why you should get mailbox money as soon as possible because he's already a third of the way there to producing enough income to like not have to work. So I'm not saying that it won't work, but if he wants to take a month off and because he's a contractor, he can't. So having, you know, having those passive investments that are creating passive income to be greater than your living expenses. I mean, that's really the, the definition of success in passive investing in, in, uh, in real estate. And so you're saying he's already a third of the way there. Already a third of the way there. And I think he started two years ago. Amazing. And it compounds, yeah. right? So you, yeah. you can get there. It's not going to take him another four years no. to get there. Although they, everyone talks about how buying a house is not an asset. He bought a house and now he hasn't invested in about six months because that thing sucked all his cash. So there's another thing about buying a house. <laughs> yeah, people say buying a house is not really, you know, obviously not an investment, but it's a, uh, a lot of it's people, worth it. it is worth it. It's to me, it's worth it to buy a house. I would buy a house. But if you're trying to generate, it depends on what stage in life you are in. You're trying to generate wealth, though. You're way better off buying an apartment than a house. If you want to generate wealth, you should go buy a townhome. You want to buy your first house with you and your wife or whatever. Well, go buy a townhome. You and your wife can live in one peat, one part. Mm -hmm. However many units you can get, get that. They'll pay for all your mortgage and then some. And right. then you, you're right there. You learn how to property manage, asset manage, maintenance. Because you can't just call a maintenance man every time. If you have a small property, it'll bankrupt you. But you learn every facet of the game that way. And then you also learn about your tenants. You learn about everyone. So that's a great strategy. The house hacking, they call it on bigger pockets, house hacking, where you live in one unit, a small multifamily townhouse or whatever you want to call it, where there's, you know, one to two, three, four or five, whatever, how many units there are in the small, obviously under four is the best because you can get the best financing on a, a mortgage, a deal like that. But, um, but yeah, that's, I would, I would highly recommend that as well for anyone looking yeah. to buy their own house. It, it really, it will change your whole mindset too on real estate because you'll start to see the power of it. Like at first you won't like it, right? Cause you don't get a reward at first, right? You get a lot of work, but then once you dial your systems in, figure it out, this thing is like, all of a sudden you're like, we don't really have a house payment. Do you know how much this thing is worth? Five years later, you're like, this thing's worth twice as much as what we paid for it. You know, if you can get the rents up a little bit, you can improve the exterior somehow. Like you can just, you can just see the power and then you can, that will kind of, that can kind of spark you to start investing more as well. Absolutely. So let's do it, Dustin. Let's, let's transition now. Time flies on this podcast. I, I, I don't know. I might start extending it to more than a half an hour because we just, I, I don't know, I feel bad uh, to cut it short so often. I just want to keep going and going, but I want to transition <laughs> now into the final four. These are four questions that we ask all of our guests towards the end of the podcast. And first question for you, which I posed to you beforehand, but this is what is the worst job that you ever had? I worked at this bomb factory <laughs> and made like- And it was the bomb. It was not the bomb. <laughs> it was anything but the bomb. It was the most mindless work and I cared so little for it. And I just wasn't worried about it. We had these little primers and they looked like bullet primers, not a big deal. And so I, I basically got reprimanded for just not being careful enough because it was so mindless. I was like, I think I got depressed as soon as, as I was in there. And I was hoping, I was probably praying for that thing to blow up at any minute. I would have been happy. 
if it would have blown up and I was inside of it rather than work there. But I didn't last long. They must have known my attitude. I think I got fired within a couple of weeks. <laughs> who has a bomb? Who owns a bomb factory? I mean, was it? It seems like it was government or military. Uh, they were selling a lot of stuff to the government. Yeah, I mean, at South Dakota, man, you can get you your licensing here is a lot more lax than anywhere else in the nation. I can promise you that. So I don't know what they were actually doing. Who knows? Who knows? That's pretty crazy. Crazy story. Second question for you. What is a book you've read? I know you're a big reader. I want to look for a book that's given you a paradigm shift. Okay. Ah, I've had so many, so many, so many. The Meditations by Marcus Aurelius is probably the biggest mind shift, but I was at a way lower spot on my mindset as well. Mm. So it was like, it's when I learned ultimate personal responsibility. When you realize that every single thing is your fault, you can skyrocket to the moon. So when you're the boss and you want to blame something on your employee because they didn't do it right, well, it's actually your fault because you hired the employee that didn't know how to do it right. Like, or it's your fault because you didn't teach the employee how to do it right. Or it's your fault for whatever, whatever happened prior that you did or put up some system, whatever system isn't good for that employee. Every single thing is your fault and mm-hmm. there's nothing that's not your fault. And that's how you got to be. If you want to be a leader, taking responsibility. Love that. And I, learned that from, I learned that from the book. And then I learned how to not let other people bother you. Like, Oh, the guy's breath is stinky. Well, of course, cause his mouth stinks. If you had that same stinky mouth, your breath would be stinky too. <laughs> that's right. It's all about perspective. I love that. That's uh, definitely true. Okay, so third question, Dawson, you already alluded to one of these things, but the question I'm going to ask you is, what is a skill or talent that you would like to learn? I'd want to learn more languages. I'm trying to learn Spanish right now. There you go. So learning a second language would be awesome. Otherwise, what else do I want to do? I don't know what I want to learn. I want to learn everything. I want to learn so much that I don't know. I want to, I just, the world's my oyster, I guess. I want to learn everything. Or is it Pearl? I don't know. What's that saying? (laughs) The world's my oyster. I don't know. I feel like there's so much to learn and do and everything. And I have my natural talents already. And I know what those are. But And I also know that you can do anything you want to do. So if I really wanted to dunk a basketball, I could do it. But I'm, am I willing to put eight hours a day into dunking a basketball? No. I'll just learn how to shoot threes better. There you go. It's all about you know what you can do with the best you can do with your time. But I totally agree with that. You really can accomplish anything that you want to. It's all mindset. It really is. If you believe it, you can, and it sounds cheesy, right? If you believe it, you can achieve it, right? But that's, there's so much truth to that because it really is all about mindset. So find out whatever it is that you want to do and just do it. Just do it. Get everything else out of the way that's stopping you. All those, uh, you know, false beliefs, systems, and things like that. Take responsibility for your own actions and just go out and accomplish it. Great answer. Fourth and final question for you. What does success mean to you? Success means that almost lots of people would want to trade situations with you. When you're in things like would most people trade their circumstances for your circumstances? Interesting. That's a very interesting perspective. I'm not life. I know that you're not going to trade family and whatnot, but like when you look up and you basically you admire what someone does when, when people look to you for advice, all that kind of stuff, like, you're definitely successful. And that also includes you need to be in control of your time. If you're working 80 hours a week, I don't think you're that successful. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, I mean, that obviously comes with having investments and having passive income and having, uh, 
you know, more control of, of your income, but more control of your time for sure. Okay. Here's the easier way. Do you lift up people when you're around them? If you can lift people up and they're better for having met you, that's super successful. Okay. That's a, that's a great answer too. So two answers here. And I like them both. Uh, different. Definitely. We get, it. that's why I ask it. It's a very subjective answer. What does it mean to you? And to everyone is different. So everyone has a different perspective, but I love yours. And especially the, the, the latter one, which is, do you lift people up? Because a lot of people think success is just about me, me, me. And what can I do for myself? And how can I be And thinking about the I? But when you're just thinking about yourself, you're really missing out on, on life. Life is not about just you. Life is really about how you can help others. So love that. And, love the first answer as well. And you're missing out on success because as soon as you lift people up around you, success now becomes effortless because they do everything and the credit just funnels up to you sort of, mm-hmm. even though you still give the credit back to them. Literally, I just network and I connect and people think I do all the work. Well, I don't do all the work. Everyone around me does all the work. I just try to show up and smile and make everyone feel good. That you put the systems in place, right? You spent the time. I'm a connector. I push people. Like people don't want to do and I push them. I got to do that. But for the most part, I don't actually do work. I just look at what's being done and try to see how we can make it better and connect the right person to improve Mm -hmm. it. And yeah. That's a a true uh, CEO, right? You really just have all the right pieces in place, put them in place and will allow people to be successful. Awesome, Dustin. Well, it has been a pleasure catching up, speaking with you today. I learned a lot and got a lot of great perspectives, as always, from you. Where can our listeners find you or reach out to you? Uh, the best place is on LinkedIn. Obviously. I like to talk to a lot of people through the comment section on LinkedIn. It seems just like me and you. Like I feel like we've, even though we haven't seen each other for a long time, live, it's been a while, yeah. it's a month, long, six months to a year. I still feel like we're still, we didn't miss anything, right? I right. see what you're doing. You right. see what I'm doing. Yeah. Exactly. We're, we're, you know, you're following whatever you're catching up. You understand, you know, what's going on, what's happening with people. You're up to speed. One of the greatest yeah. benefits of having that social media and being active on it, sharing your journey. That's really what it's all about. And you now have like thousands of people that look to you and know exactly, you know, <laughs> your every move. Yeah. So otherwise mailbox bunny, R E dot com is the website nice. re is real estate mailbox money re.com mailbox money re at gmail is my email and then my phone number is 605-691-1933 but email is way better like i don't hardly answer my phone that much very cool so we're going to put all that down in the show notes and if anyone wants to reach out to dustin obviously they are going to so you're you know after this goes live you know, your LinkedIn is going to blow up. Make sure that you reach yeah. out to Dustin and tell him that you listen to Weiss Advice Podcast. And that's how you found him. Good. It's been a pleasure. Thanks so much. Thanks for taking the time. And to all our listeners, remember the best advice comes only when you ask. Real quick, I have one question for you. Did you like this episode? If you did, I want to ask you a huge favor. See, the biggest thing that helps this podcast grow and that will spread this message to the whole world is that if you leave a review, a rating, and subscribe to the podcast. What that does is it basically tells the platforms that this podcast is out on is that you like my stuff and I'm doing something right. So take a few seconds out of your day, hit that subscribe button, leave a rating or review. I would be extremely grateful. Also, I want to hear from you guys. So I want to hear some feedback. If you have any questions for future episodes, please find me on LinkedIn. Send me a DM, a connection request, Yona Weiss, and I'd love to hear from you.